Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mason S. With me, as always, is my man, TK. Yeah, yeah. We're back for another episode today. The topic's going to be Tradition 8. Uh, we got our guest with us today, Mr. Chris C. How you doing, Chris? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we'll start with your clean date, and if you want to, give your home group a shout out. Okay, my clean date is January 16th, 1998. And my home group, my current home group, is uh, Recovery Zone in uh, Woodland Hills, California. We meet on Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Uh, feel free to come on out. That, that is awesome, man. Um, how is the uh, recovery atmosphere where you're at? Uh, pretty good, pretty strong. Um, I, uh, I'm somebody who got clean in a rural place myself um, in uh, central Illinois, a couple hours south of Chicago. So we basically had around the time I was uh, getting clean, we had roughly two meetings a day, like a noon meeting and an evening meeting. Every once in a while, there were two even two evening meetings, like you could choose from one or the other. Um, out here in California, like I generally will drive past like three or four meetings on the way to whatever meeting I'm going to. So yeah. it's definitely a whole different uh, ball game to uh, to what I'm accustomed to. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, we got a lot of variety, a lot of different, uh, types of meetings that, that people can go to and, and get cleaned up in. Yeah. And I, you think that attributes to, you know, it really kind of getting started out there and, um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, in a, in our area, it, particularly our town is what, 15 years old. Yeah. It's pretty oh, wow. compared to uh-huh. almost oh, well, 70 out that way. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, before we dive into the, to the topic today, let's get to know you a little bit, like how you found NA and, um, kind of like a little bit of your story. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, I'll start off by saying I'm Chris and I'm an addict, hey. uh, you know, great way to start off for sure. But I, um, you know, I, uh, I had trouble using drugs like so many of us do, <laughs> excuse me it started off as uh that was the solution and then um you know it was a solution to the problems that i had and then you know like 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 for so many of us it, then it became a problem and uh and i first found my way into a narcotics anonymous meeting uh as a result of my sister who had gone to an adolescent treatment unit we were both you know under 18 at the time <laughs> excuse me um and she had gone to an adolescent treatment unit. Uh, I, I never ended up having to go to treatment because I got the benefit of her dragging me off to a meeting eventually. Uh, first, she tried to uh, kind of pressure me into it and say, oh, you have to come do this and you need this. Um, and then eventually, you know, she kind of switched it up a little bit and was like, oh, hey, you know, I have these cool friends that I want you to talk to and stuff like that. And uh, sort of, you know, the more flop with honey kind of uh, approach i guess 
And, uh, and I found my way into a meeting and you guys, uh, messed up my using. That was, uh, I, that first meeting was, uh, uh, I think July of 1997 and, uh, my claim date is, uh, January, 1998. So I, I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't take right away, but eventually got there. Oh, sisters have a way of, of, of doing that. Uh, my, <laughs> I have actually two sisters in recovery. This is my brother-in-law. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, my sister was clean before, before me and our father before that. So, um, my father was a little more, uh, let's see, what's the way to say it. He would, he w- he led more by example where my sister was more, um, hands-on trying to pressure me to go and, I see. Yeah. So also another thing that we have in common is we didn't go to treatment, either one of us. So that's, that's oh, nice. pretty neat yeah. too. Um, so what did you think not ever being, cause a lot of times when you don't go to treatment, you're not exposed to, you know, like treatment's kind of like recovery preschool. So not being exposed right. to a lot of the, I mean, even the terms and the lingo and all the, those sort of things, what were, some of the challenges or things that you heard that was just mind blowing. Um, well, I mean, just even from the start, like uh, the, you know, the whole just for today thing, you know, like that, that hooked me in right away, you know, cause I, I had had that experience. Uh, I mean, as many of us do of trying to stop on my own and trying to, you know, and for me, you know, being a black and white thinker as so many addicts are, I was really like, I have to either quit forever or just keep using forever. There's no kind of just for today sort of solution. And when you guys told me, look, do this for today, see how it goes, you know, like it was like, oh, damn, like I can just, you know, bite off as much as I can chew uh, and see, you know, basically kind of make my make my decisions uh, each day. You know, do I want to stay clean today? Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, so that was a big one. Um, uh, the, you know, one interesting thing about my experience, uh, I mean, at least it's interesting to me, <laughs> um, hopefully it's interesting to the podcast listeners, but, um, I had, I did have some experiences, um, with professionals. So, um, yeah, I mean, of course, law enforcement professionals, with, uh, you know, there were some of those, um, but then also with, uh, like I, I had gone off to this, uh, residential, um, uh, school. It was a, it was a basically a boarding school. It was, uh, for math nerds. Right. And, um, uh, and I was living in, in a dorm setting and this is like during high school, during my early high school years. And, uh, and, you know, I, as we do, I got in trouble with the school administration and, you know, was having problems with, uh, attendance and, um, you know, and, and especially since I'm living in their facilities and they're just not too, you know, happy about, uh, underage kids like doing drugs in their, in their, in their, uh, state owned, uh, facilities. Um, so I ended up, you know, I, I would have to go see like a therapist and, uh, they, I did some, some kind of it wasn't like treatment or anything like that but it was like these groups um i think it was called snowball i i think that's what it was and it, and it was basically like you know kind of like a group therapy for kids sort of thing like like positive peer pressure kind of idea and um you know just coming together and talking about feelings and and so like some of that kind of had a 
enough of a kind of treatment vibe that when I did come into my first meeting, I was like, okay, some of this is a little bit familiar. Uh, you know, oh, and I mean, I guess I should also mention that I too have parents who are in recovery. I had a mom who uh, was, you know, she was, uh, she was um, a, a reliable, stable member uh, in good standing of a different fellowship. And, um, and then my dad was kind of a, a casual in and out sort of like, maybe I'll stop in, maybe I won't kind of a member of a, of a different fellowship. So I had those examples to look to. So between these sort of pseudo therapy kind of things that I was doing and, uh, and, and the parents, I, you know, when I, when I arrived in NA, I, I did have some kind of grasp of like how we operate. Um, but some of it was definitely like new and foreign. Um, and then the, uh, the last thing I'll say on this is that, you know, the, since, since that time, like I've always had sort of this, fascination of like the way that people who have been to treatment talk you know that that may be different from the way that we you know like and it's just sometimes it's just a little weird you know there's just slight differences in, in things um that i i don't always get um one thing i was thinking about you said pseudotherapy that's what kind of got me to na too little, oh yeah a little <laughs> joke for you oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no um but yeah, um, you know, for me, yeah, that those experiences from, you know, of course, my father and my sisters and the other people in my family that were in recovery kind of give me a somewhat of an insight, but it was still like a culture shock when I got there. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but anyways, let's talk about since you've been in NA, man, like what is some of the, you, you taught, you mentioned you got clean in Chicago, um. How did you make your way out to California? Well, so I, um, I, I got clean in uh, Champaign-Urbana. It's a couple hours south of Chicago. And um, we had, like I said, we had about uh, one to two night meetings uh, a night out there. But I was living in my hometown, uh, Paxton, Illinois, which is population 4,500. And... Uh, and I would, I would have to get a ride to the meetings that were 30 miles away in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, I did not drive. I, I, um, uh, I didn't have a car or a license. And, and so I would rely on my sister to take me to meetings. And so then even when she stopped going to meetings and decided she was no longer interested in being a member of NA, uh, she, she would drive me to the meeting, drop me off, go hang out with her using buddies, and then come back and pick me up afterwards. So not an ideal situation or anything I would recommend to a newcomer, but um, it was how I got to meetings uh, for, for that first uh, uh, year or so until I finally, I, I, maybe not a full year, but um, until I was able to eat, I think I, I think I got a car first and then a license a little bit later, you know, it's, yeah, you know how we are with the laws and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I, uh, uh, around about the time I had 18 months clean, I went off to university uh, in Peoria, Illinois. And so this was a little farther away from home and I was living in dorms again. And uh, it was my first exposure to a new NA community. And so um, I, tr I tried my way out there and uh, it was difficult. And I ended up hiding out in NA meetings because, you know, I didn't understand how to get along with earthlings. Right. And so, right. um, 
there was it was kind of a rough patch there for me and I, I ended up dropping out of school because um because i couldn't really relate uh well enough and and i wanted i wanted to have all the things i wanted to have a car and have a have my own apartment and stuff like that and i couldn't afford to do that and go to school so i was like working more than going to school and ended up dropping out and um went back to champaign urbana years later uh i finally got a bachelor's degree got my four-year degree in seven years and um and while I was doing that, I had been involved in service. I had been doing a bunch of area service. I was, I, I think I started off my first area level commitment was treasurer. Um, and then eventually at some point I was, you know, vice chair and then chair of area and then uh, became RCM and, uh, you know, would go to, would go to the regional meetings. I was a regional treasurer for a while. Um, and then eventually became the uh, delegate, well, the alternate delegate for my region. And so the same semester that I was finishing up my, like my last couple of classes for this uh, seven year bachelor's degree, um, it was the world service conference in Southern California. And so uh, my region flew me out to, uh, to California and I participated in a whole week long, um, you know, world service conference and was just like, just blown away in Florida. I mean, I, I had never been to a, like a, a world convention of NA. I had been like the biggest conventions I had been to is like Chicago land. I kind of, you know, kind of went to a Chicago convention, but it was like, so even that was like, just so, so big and, uh, uh, intimidating to me that, you know, I was like a couple workshop meetings here and there. And then just like, you know, hanging out with my, with my recovering friends, you know? So I'm, I'm at this world service conference and just like, just mind blown about the, about what it is that we do all around the globe, you know? And, uh, that was, uh, 2006 and, um, somebody on the world board, uh, happened to overhear me talking about, uh, finishing up my degree in writing. And he said to me, Oh, Hey, there's a writing position open at the world service office. You should apply. And, uh, and, and I was like, you know, I've, no, 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 I'm not good enough, you know, all that kind of stuff that we say. And he looked at me and said, no, you should apply. And so I'm like, okay, fine. You know, like kind of like the higher power thing. Like, let me just, I don't have to be the decider. I just put, put it out there into the universe and then, you know, whatever happens, happens. So I filled out an application. Um, you know, uh, I, I already had known a couple of people who worked there because of, you know, my participation in, in service. Um, and so just kind of filled out the application and let it go. And then um, got the, went back home, got the college degree, kind of felt like, okay, you know, like my, my life in the Midwest is continuing on as normal. Like, let me figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And um, I had completely, I had almost forgotten the application to, you know, to work there and then got a call from any world services. And they said, Hey, we want you to come out here and interview with us. So I was like, whoa, holy shit, you know, so, um, fast forward about six months after that, I was living out here in Southern California working for NA World Services. Wow, that is incredible, man. So um, actually the service work <laughs> got you mm -hmm. to, uh, got you yeah. to California. That's pretty cool, man. Um, what was your experience like uh, working for World Services? Oh man, Whew. what a, like, so I, I ended up working a total of 10, 10 years there. 
I was uh, I started in 2006, worked there till uh, 2016, and um, I mean, I just we worked on a lot of stuff. Like uh, I, I had the opportunity to work on on some uh, literature projects, on some service projects. Uh, basically, you know, the way that the way that the way things operate there is the World Service Conference happens, and then they tell the World Board, "Here are the projects you got to do." Right. And then the world board, you know, is made up of these member volunteers from all around the world, right? And they're, they're, you know, it's all their entirely volunteer time. So they kind of, they technically are sort of, you know, quote unquote, owners of the project, right? Yeah. That, that has been entrusted to them by the conference. And then, but they, they don't have the resources to do it on their own, right? And this is where that age tradition comes in. You know, you don't have the resources to be able to do it and through volunteer means, and you pay somebody to do it. And so that was me, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, I got to work on some projects and basically what that, what that always meant is working closely alongside a world board member, um, or at least one world board member, usually one or two board members. Um, and then going back to every time the board would meet, they would also review the work as well, but, uh, working closely with one or two board members on a project. And then, for most of the work that we did, it would, it would also have a work group of members from from around. Uh, you, usually, they would strive to like get people from different parts of the U.S. as well as uh, you know a few members from outside the U.S. Yeah. Uh, so that we would have a variety of perspectives. And yeah, um, I, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, um, this is an interesting perspective from a lot of people. You know, uh, I don't know if they give. Uh, frustrated or, or or whatever when they think about a project and, and you know the time that it takes to complete one but what you're talking about man it's like this is really giving some insight on all the stuff that actually goes into the projects plus not counting how many projects we actually have to work yeah. on and um mm -hmm. you know there's only a select few uh board members and each board member is responsible for a certain amount of projects and they oversee a project and then we have to have a professional and then other people from the, like you said the u.s and then outside of the country i mean there's a mm -hmm. lot that goes in it's not just like we say okay we want this project done and a bunch of ants get together and start working on it <laughs> right exactly yeah and that's long... the thing yeah exactly it's a, a long it's a long process and you know like for me as a staff member, uh, you know, there was like, there were times when I would find it frustrating, like, oh, you know, like, like, if I were going to do this my own way, here's what I would do, right? Right. But this isn't this, it, it wasn't the Chris show, you know, exactly. uh, it was, it was something owned by our fellowship, you know, by and, and, uh, and, you know, if we think about that, that service prayer about like asking a higher power, a loving higher power to influence what we're doing, you know, I, I was like, okay, look, I gotta, I gotta keep my ego in check. I gotta keep, you know, I gotta be mindful of like my, my, what, what is my true relationship to the work being done? And, and it really was like, yeah, I was getting paid, but it, it truly was like, I, I view it as, you know, like, uh, it was, there, there was a, a level of service involved in the sense that I was like, um, I, I had to, uh, get into some, uh, selflessness in order to make it, to be able to, to function there. Right? I was wondering what, what is one of the coolest projects that you got to work on, Chris? Oh man. Um, you know, honest, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, cause I did, I, I loved them all. And I, you know, I appreciate uh, the opportunity that I had to work on everything that I got to work on there. Um, I will say that things like, you know, uh, like writing the annual report, which is not actually a project. It's just a, you know, kind of a, a, an ongoing duty of the world board to provide for, you know, to report on year to year duties yeah. uh, and obligations. That was not, <laughs> that was not my favorite bit of work to work on. It's kind of dry and, you know, um, right. um, felt like work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was definitely work. <laughs> and then, but then I got to work on, like, I got to work on the, the traditions project, for example. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they told me uh, at some point early on in the traditions project, uh, that, that I was going to be the project coordinator. And so like on previous projects, I was writer editor. So that would mean I would work with a project coordinator, a staff member who's like running things and then, and along with the board, board member, right? So the board members really are calling the shots and then the project manager is like making it happen. And then the writer editor is like, you know, doing the actual tinkering in the documents and stuff like that. Well, they came to me and said, like, look, we want you to be the project coordinator for this traditions project. And part of that is like really sitting down with the board members and saying, like, OK, here's what the fellowship told us they want. Now, how are we going to make this happen? And, and it was a you know, it was really intimidating and daunting task. But um, having that opportunity to like to say, holy, holy cow, like the tradition, the, the fellowship wants a traditions book. How are we going to make this happen? You know, uh, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was a really enjoyable process. Um, we, we did end up, um, unfortunately one of the board members that I worked with on the project. Yeah, there it is right there. Um, uh, the, one of the board members that we worked with on the project was ill and ended up passing, um, over the course of that project. And so that, that made it, you know, that definitely colored the way my, my like my memory of it. But, um, you know, he made such uh, such wonderful contributions to the project and and, and working with him was was such a uh, such a, a privilege and opportunity. Um, you know, he's somebody who had been clean for a long, long time and, had uh, you know, been a part of NA service for a long, long time. So the opportunity to work closely with him. Um, and then uh, just with our other staff members and an awesome work group of members from around the world, you know, like it, it really, sh it really shifted and changed my perspective on things around the traditions in this way that the just regular NA service hadn't yet done, I guess. Yeah. That is so cool, man. You know, Cause that thing is full of meat. Yeah, dude. Uh, you talk so about, cool. you talk about a book, buddy. That is, mm -hmm. that, that book is incredible. Sure um, is. And we've act, we're actually a part of some um, a, a, a guiding principles study that we've been. Well, Travis actually started out in it, and when he uh, left the study, I took his place. But been working on it for what th three or four years? Yeah, I told him I'd have about fifteen or twenty years clean by the time we finished it. So, so we, <laughs> we, we meet like every other Sunday, and we'll, we'll get a few questions answered. There's a group of ten of us, and like. Besides me and another guy, the the next guy's got what thirty years all the way up to like forty six years with the guys wow. that we participate in and win. Uh, I love and, it. That's so great. But yeah. those questions, man, they're deep. They and, sure are, and they bring about the most. I don't know. Uh, it, it's just the beautiful conversations that you get. 
And then, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Thank you for your service, man. Yeah, no that's, doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, man. That's such awesome. a privilege and privilege and honor to to have been able to have been a part of it. Uh, and like I said, we had just a just an amazing group of of uh, work group of members, and and we had you know we had some of the folks who were like who were really like like philosophical and out there and like you know re- really kind of like thinking you know in these real complex ways and then the other like real like simple straightforward like like what do i tell my home group kind of thing you know and like so it was able to we were able to i think try to um you know try try to make a piece of literature that would that would have something for everybody you know? and it does i I, th- I think you hit, hit it right on the head it, it really that book has something for for everybody for the for the simple thinkers to the complex thinkers to the mm-hmm. you know i believe we're gonna have to get chris back on here to tell us about this whole thing you <laughs> know what i mean like no let's go through no let's doubt. dissect this thing man i want to hear about I it, love it. One, one thing i do want to ask you before we dive off into the tradition is um you know there may be somebody that's listening that inspires someday to be able to be involved in things like that um well, you talked about the application process with World Services. So, um, is it basically you look and see for a position to open, then you apply? Um, but would you say the best way to ultimately get to there would be to start at the home group and then at the area and then at the region, oh, and then someday absolutely. become the R day? Because you need to, like you said, you knew a couple of people by the time mm-hmm. you had already applied. Is that your best route? You think? I think so. I mean, because um, one of the things that that, ha- that happened in my service experience, or, or not my service experience, for my my uh, in my service related uh, work while I was there, because you know, I, yes, I would do, I would be involved in the projects and things, but then we would go out and um, we would have. Uh, you know, we would put on workshops at, at, at conventions and things, or we would get invited to like a zonal forum or something. Um, and so like, uh, usually it would be like one or two staff members and one or two board members, like depending on how big the event is and where it's located and things like that. Um, and, and like what kinds of, uh, what kinds of like workshops they're requesting and everything. So long story short, I would go out on the road sometimes and go visit different places and put on these workshops. And, you know, whether it was just, um, you know, doing a, a, one of our issue discussion topics, like the fellowship issue discussion topic, you know, uh, putting on a workshop for that or doing like a full on car presentation that would, you know, last for a day or two. Um, we, you know, we would do these, these different kinds of workshops. And one of the things that we were always uh, especially the board members, but even us as staff members, we were encouraged to like be on the lookout for skilled folks, you know, like people, people who are, who are doing the work, people who are good at the work, you know, people who have leadership skills, who have uh, language skills, who have, uh, you know, just pe- people who know how to, how to set up an event and make the event run. Right. You know, any, any kind of thing like that, just be on the lookout for those kinds of things because, you know, generally speaking, we're going to, we're going to, it's kind of a human thing, I guess, where when we need somebody to fill a role, we're going to think first of those people that we already know. Right. And so just trying to keep, um, keep tabs on that. Um, So uh, all that is to say, 
that when people get involved in service and stay involved and basically do what they're good at and keep doing it, um, then, you know, that, that's a way to, you know, basically, uh, I'm, this is an outside issue, but, you know, I, I happen to sometimes like, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. I teach English now and that's what, my, what I do. And I sometimes retire. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it's at some point somewhere in his writings, he says, uh, that you should make your own, make your own need felt. Uh, and, and so like, you know, when you're out there doing service and you're serving and you're like, you're doing what you're good at, people feel like we need this person around doing this service. Right. And so, uh, uh I, I think that was, that's kind of the thing is when, um, when you're doing what you're good at and, and especially if you enjoy it, um, you're, people are going to notice. And then if an opportunity does arise to either work at world services or serve at the world level, like as a world board member or as a, um, as a, uh, human resource panel member, that's, you know, the people who basically kind of, uh, try to recruit board members, um, or as a conference facilitator, right? The, the World Service Conference is facilitated by member addicts, right? And so if, if people are good at those things and they get noticed, then they're going to be end up getting, you can either call it recruited or railroaded, whatever, however you want to <laughs> frame it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, and I, I think probably your experience through all levels of service too probably helped you. I, I'm speaking for you, but I'm, I'm, I'm imagining Absolutely. It, it played a huge part in helping out with all that stuff too. Um, yeah, but I agree with you, man. It's like when we stick to what we're good at, like we can really not only help ourselves. Service is a lot more fun too whenever whenever we're doing something that we enjoy. Uh, not that yeah. every, not that all of it's fun, but it, it, yeah. it's a lot more attractive when it's fun. It is. It is more attractive when it's fun. I agree. Yeah. Mason's going to move. And I will say. I say it. No. What's that? No. no. Yeah. Fan eyes. I don't see it. Yeah. It's, it's in your future, buddy. Um <laughs> no. But let's uh let's dive off into the topic today, Travis. This is your part, buddy. Oh. Well let me make sure that I'm gonna read it right. Yeah. Because this is something we don't real familiar with. <clears throat> I was um refreshing myself with the works how and why um on this tradition or or, or before we got started all right tradition eight narcotics anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers all right chris what do you got for us on this okay so tradition eight uh number one uh i i i will tell you that here in southern california because we do have a lot of meetings and we have some meetings that are step in tradition studies or just tradition studies and when Tradition 8 comes up, people like to call me, me and a few of my friends, you know, understandably. Um, but one of the things that people go to, you know, and part of, part of the reason for that is that they hear that, that phrase, right, special workers. And so right. if you have, if you have uh, a regional service office in your, in your neighborhood or you have the world service office in your neighborhood and you got some special workers around, you're like, oh, this Tradition 8, that's that special workers tradition, right? But that's not what the like the first part of the tradition, which right. in my view is the more important part, is the right. non-professional piece, right? That um, what we do here is, you know, it's that magic of one addict giving, freely sharing with another. 
um, I mentioned before that, you know, I had, I had some plenty of experiences with, well, I, I don't know if plenty is the word, but I had experiences with professionals before I came to NA, before, before I showed up to my first meeting. Um, I had, uh, you know, therapists and uh, law enforcement and school administrators and all these people. And, and these were people who were getting paid to try to help me. But the truth is, like, they just didn't understand. You know, they just did not really understand, truly understand what was going on with me. Um, and then I also had people who wanted to help me, like like my parents and other people like that, right? And uh, they, uh, you know, sometimes they understood, but they, you know, it's like I'm, maybe I'm too close or whatever. It wasn't until I found my way into an NA meeting where I found people who, like, really understood me, who really wanted to help. And who weren't just there for a paycheck, right? Um, it was non-professional. It was like, we're coming in here and we are sharing our own direct personal experience, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's kind of hard for me to talk about this without talking about the, um, you know, Tradition 9 and the... the oh, ought, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Ought never be organized, right? Like, uh, And, yeah, you know, we use that as a punchline sometimes. Like, sure thing, we... Being disorganized, that's that's easy for us, right? Um, but with the magic that happens in the NA meeting, right? When I showed up to that first that that first meeting that I came to, the Sunday night, it was it was actually in a treatment center. It was a Sunday night meeting, NA meeting, uh, you know, and uh, and and these people read out of the literature, they read our readings, they and then they just shared their own experience, and. When I left that meeting, I was a changed person, you know, like something infected my mind and my spirit, right? Uh, I, I walked out of there knowing that there's a solution, that there's a way out in this way that I had never known before. Like, like I said, I, even my parents, I, I knew my parents, you know, my mom was in recovery and she, you know, she had turned her life around. She actually... She got us out of poverty. She got us off welfare. She got, uh, you know, she put herself through nursing school. And, um, and I knew all that and still didn't know that I could stop using, you know, it was, it was like, like there was no connection in my mind somehow when I came into that meeting and they talked to me like I was a newcomer, even though I didn't think I was a newcomer. I didn't think I was there for me. I thought I was just, you know, riding along with my sister, yeah. <laughs> hanging along. <laughs> and uh and yet they talked to me like i was a newcomer and it, and it messed up my using you know so uh that that part of the non-professional piece i, I the non-professional and the 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 ought never be organized because like you know they didn't they didn't like plan it out they didn't rehearse like okay you know here's how we're going to talk to chris and get him on board and you know here's here's like the case files and the treatment notes and all this other whatever right like it, there was no like orchestrated attempts to like help me get the message. It was other NA members freely sharing their experience. Um, and it started there with, you know, in the, in the, in the NA home group. Right. Um, and then going on to, uh, you know, just my, all the, all those experiences I had with other uh, NA members at, at coffee after the meeting, um, getting a sponsor, right. Who was like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a therapist and he wasn't a, he wasn't a caseworker. He wasn't, he wasn't a police officer, or at least not that I know of. Um, 
he and and he freely shared his experience right and and helped me with the steps he's like here's here's the step here's my experience with it you know answer some questions let's talk about it etc cetera, etc cetera. we met uh that first sponsor we met um the first real sponsor i had i had a couple that didn't pan out right uh-huh. and then then i got a got one that uh, actually met up with me and we uh we would meet every week before the home group have coffee for an hour whether i had step work to read or not and uh and i developed a relationship with him right and there was nothing professional about what he was doing. He was sitting across the table from me. You could smoke indoors back then. He would smoke a pipe. He had a, he had a you know, so I, I can still smell, you know, that, that tobacco, right? Um, and we would sit across from each other, drink coffee, and, and just talk. And uh, th- like I said, there was nothing professional about that. Now, when you get to, um, then when you get to the piece about the, the service centers, right, uh, there's a, a big component of that, that portion, I think that, um, I mean, it's applicable of course, to our, 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 I would say our groups and our service bodies, right. That, that when our groups or our service bodies don't have either the time, the resources or the expertise to do what needs to be done to, to help carry our message. Like, Say we, you know, say we as a group, we decide, and you know what, it's really important that we, we want to get this thing done to help do a better job of getting our message to our community or whatever. Now, usually that, of course, that any group is going to ask the, the service, you know, area service or whatever to, to be involved. Um, and then the area service, you know, can kind of make those decisions. But I'll tell you, like, right from that very first, uh, the very first NA service committee I was a part of, the area service committee in, uh, um, in Champaign-Urbana, primary purpose area of Narcotics Anonymous, um, we had a meeting schedule, right? And we had a member who would volunteer their time to, to uh, you know, create the document and all that. But when it came time to print it, we weren't printing the meeting schedule. We weren't printing 1,500 copies or whatever. I, we probably didn't have 1,500. I don't know how many we were printing, but however many copies we were printing, we weren't printing those on members' printers, right? It was just too intensive, too much yeah. work, right? Yeah. And so we we call out to the printing press and say, hey, you know, here's this job. That's, uh, it's, you know, slightly different than a special worker because it's not like they're actually working for NA. It's like, you know, they're doing a whole lot of jobs for a whole lot of people and NA just happens to be one of them. Um, but, you know, as you get more... Uh, you know, get, get work and tasks and, and, and jobs and chores or whatever that are more and more specialized and, and especially more and more demanding, uh, then, you know, then you end up needing somebody else. And, and so like, especially, I think in terms of the regional level, like that's probably a little bit more applicable to a lot of people, uh, that, you know, you're more likely to have a regional service office in your backyard than you are to have a world service office in your backyard. Um, but, uh, you know, like the region wants to order literature in bulk in order to like get a, the bulk discount that NAS offers, right? That takes some of the pressure off of the World Service Office from filling all these small orders. It's a lot easier for them to fill one big order. And then, and then the regional service office, they get their discount and, and then they're able to like, you know, do some other services, like maybe maintain, uh, help maintain the phone line or something. Um, or, you know, maybe put together some merchandise for, for the local members. Um, but then, you know, so you, 
you can you could conceivably if your region's small enough just have somebody who's like that their service position is to fill the orders with any world services and then distribute the orders to the groups and stuff but as it becomes more and more like maybe you have more and more groups and you have more and more orders right eventually you're going to say this is taking up enough time yeah that it it's not fair comes to a point yeah. where we're taking advantage of somebody so we actually exactly have more to do with this tradition than what we realize yeah we do we do yeah you know, like printing yeah totally t-shirts for conventions uh, conventions and, or speaker jams and because mm-hmm. we don't have the means to do it well when he was talking about at the home group level what i thought about is we're trying we we've actually we it's not done yet but we actually put in a motion to have a um to make our meeting handicap accepts uh, accessible oh yeah we had stairs, you know, and so we're going to have to hire that out for somebody to come in and put the yeah. chair lift in and all that. That's, that's a form of special worker and it'll probably be a member of narcotics anonymous that does it, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah. for them to come in and spend their time and do that and share their expertise, you know, uh, I, I think it's fitting that we, that we yeah. paid, them. you know, it's not that, like Definitely. they're asking for it, but all right. Yeah. Well, and it, and, and it kind of, you know, there's a, um, that, uh, co- like that, uh, connection to tradition seven as well, right. That, you know, like, um, there were the anonymity part of our contributions, right. That, uh, you know, no, no individual member should be giving more than their fair share. Right. And it's exactly. kind of up to each of us individually to know what our fair share is. But when somebody's like contributing like way above and beyond, um, yeah, it kind of starts to blur that line of anonymity of maybe they're giving a little too much and, you know, or we're taking a little too much from them or whatever. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you talk about like uh, at the region level, you're talking about dis- uh, distributing li- literature, you know, for, for a lot of people that listen to this are kind of in our neck of the woods, you could say. And we don't have a lot of experience because our region is not as big as, say, like maybe um, Texas, right? Like Texas mm-hmm. has a really large region who, and there's a regional service office there that, you know, there it would just take and it would be asking way too much to ask those people to come in and do the job that needs to be done there without, you know, without paying them. You just really can't justify that. Yeah, exactly. Um. Another thing I want to talk to you about too uh, is something that a lot of people may not think about. Uh, Narcotics Anonymous at times needs legal representation too. Mm, right. Um, yeah. So those are that. That's another form of um, special worker or outside. You know, something that we need um, because the fellowship is so big, and we have these yeah. um, intellectual properties and different things that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, you know, even at the regional level, there was a there was recently um, and I say recently, I think it might have been up to five years ago, maybe 10. Um, there was there was a lawsuit against the Southern California region. I believe it was against the region. It might have even been an area within a region. But, you know, it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, either member not being able to do what they wanted to do at a meeting level or something to that effect. I don't, I, I don't recall the exact circumstances of the, of the case, but it was that kind of thing where 
you know, <laughs> you know, NA does definitely have a whole lot of jailhouse lawyers. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, we needed we needed some professional help, right? Or uh, at least the region did. Um, you know, and so they they had to do that. Like like you said, they had to consult uh, somebody and, and, and figure out what's, what's the, what's the best thing to do here. And, um, you know, there may be times like, like you mentioned, there may be times when that does end up being a member. I do know members of narcotics anonymous who are attorneys, you know, so like not inconceivable that NA could end up hiring a member to do, you know, to, to serve in some capacity. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I would be, I, I don't, I'm not an attorney, so I, I can say this, but I, I feel like I would be a little cautious about it getting wrapped up in, yeah. No if things doubt. don't go your way, it's like, are you, you know, are you even allowed to serve at your home group? Any- <laughs> you know, I think, I think some people got a misconception though, that, that it feels wrong that we hire members, but it, to me, it just makes sense. You know, it, it, it makes a lot of yeah. sense. And um, especially like even talking to, to the point of an attorney who better to know the ins and outs of how the fellowship works than an actual member, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Think about all the time you're going to have to spend, um, you know, bringing them up to speed about what we are, what we do. Um, yeah. So, well, and you know, that, that connects to an interesting piece, uh, of, of my role at any world services while I was there. That uh, that maybe doesn't. I don't know if it gets talked about very much because sometimes, uh, sometimes I will hear people. You know, there's there's a, a a segment of our NA population out there who are really not big fans of NA World Services and and will vocally speak about not being fans. Um, and one of the one of the complaints that I've heard of, about NA World Services is, oh, you know, like they're creating literature that's not written by members. Right. And, uh, and, it, and it's kind of that idea of like, Oh, if you're going to hire somebody and part of this goes back to, I think a, a, a little bit of a debacle they had with, uh, uh, the third edition basic text, I think when they, yeah. they hired professional editors to edit it who were not members and they just did not get it. Right. <laughs> they don't, they don't know who we are or how we operate. And so like, it was not not a good uh, uh, tra- translation, if you will. Um, and so, from that point forward, there you know, there's been a policy uh, that that uh, people who work on any literature projects cannot be non-members. Like you have to be a member of the fellowship, and you have to be clean. And uh, and so, like that was one of the requirements of my position before I came, because you know, like I said, uh, I, I got to work on literature projects right the very first project I worked on out of the gate. I was, uh, I was 26 years old. I had gotten clean at the age of, uh, 17. And so, uh, there was a project to create, to make new young people, pamphlets for young people. So I was the writer on that project. And, uh, um, now did I write those IPs myself? Absolutely not. Was I the person doing the writing? Absolutely. Yes. Like it was the, 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 the work group created, what we what we ended up making but i was the person who like sat and put the pen to paper and and all that you know um so it it was really you know they you don't you don't want a non-addict doing that particular job right exactly
Well, for the people <laughs> like like you brought up, the people that have this big issue with NOS. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, what was your experience as far as some of the fears and doubts that they have about mm-hmm. what goes on there? Yeah. Like, yeah, what what is the reality versus some of the fears that they have? You know. Well, I will tell you that. Well, one of the first things that I noticed because you know I I I I got clean in a place where we we didn't have direct personal interaction with NA World Services very often, you know. And, and so we did sometimes, you know, we, we had some misconceptions and, and things like that. And I remember um, uh, the sponsor that I had uh, before I came to work out here, uh, what, you know, there were, he had some complaints and gripes, right? Yeah. And um, I realized very quickly after coming out to, to work out here, you know, and like, I really hope this doesn't reflect badly on the, uh, on on my former co-workers or the world board or anything but uh there's a there's another saying out there a, a quote um that says uh never attribute uh to malice what can be uh adequately explained by incompetence uh-huh. okay and now i'm not now i'm not trying to say that there's widespread incompetence in, in in world services or anything like that but there was a lot of work going on. Right. And so like I, I had a sponsor who had one particular little hobby horse, right. This one little thing that any world services does that he wanted them to do better. Right. He's like, there's this tiny little, like this very narrow scope and the, the whole operation is doing all this stuff. Right. And, and he's like, this one little thing is so important. is so very important that, you know, they really ought to listen to me on this. Right. And, uh, and the truth is, is, I mean, incompetence isn't even the right word because it's more like, you know, we don't, we don't always have like the time and energy and resources to do everything perfectly. Right. And, and so, uh, I think anytime you have a, a, an organization working together and especially working on volunteer time, working on, um, you know, on, uh, uh, I, I think I can say this without getting in too much trouble, but, uh, you know, working on nonprofit salaries, right? Like, yeah. you know, the, like our, we were stretched thin, we were stretched thin and, uh, and it's difficult. It's very difficult, especially when you have, you know, if you have a committee, uh, if you, uh, like, I mean, at the area level, this is true, right? If you have a committee of 10 people, then you've got uh, at least 14 opinions in the room, right? No um, doubt. <laughs> and so, you know, trying to satisfy everybody is uh, just, you know, it's impossible. You can't satisfy everybody, right? And so I think in my experience, um, like I said, I worked there for 10 years. And I, you know, I think I saw, uh, I saw instances of, of, of really uh, effective leaders doing a good job at, at saying, okay, we hear you want this and we hear you want that. However, uh, what seems to be most effective and possible or whatever is this and moving forward with that. Right. And, and having some success. Um, and then I've, and then I saw other times where it, it kind of felt like the people who are making decisions, uh, whether it's the conference or the board, um, you know, that, or, or even, you know, um, 
some of the uh, some of the special workers, right? That the people making decisions really, you know, couldn't quite commit to like, okay, like we want to make these people happy and we want to make those people happy. Let's try to do it all, you right. know. And I think any any time you try to do it all, you're going to end up in a situation where, you know, it's just everybody's going to be unhappy, right? Yeah. So, um. So, you know, I, I, I really do believe that uh, in, in my experience there with, with everybody who's been involved in uh, world services, whether it's um, whether it's a, the trusted servants at the at the board level, trusted servants at the conference um, and uh, the, the all the staff members at, at any world services, you know, I 100 percent fully believe that everybody's heart is in the right place and that they that they do want what's best for narcotics anonymous like that. I know um, in terms of like knowing how to get there, uh, you know, it's uh, we don't always know. And, uh, and we don't always do, you know, we don't always, um, I, I think I will say like, I think, you know, there were days it's like a job, like any other, right. There were days when I was not on my A game when I went to work, you know, I was like, huh. <laughs> I, I had a divorce while I worked there. I gained 50 pounds while I worked there. I lost 50 pounds while I worked. You know, like I did, a, I went through a lot of life circumstances and, and there were days I would come into work and I was like, yeah, today is not the day, you know? And, uh, and it's, I, I know, I know, I know without a, beyond a shadow of a doubt that there were, there were times, one of my responsibilities was answering emails, fellowship emails. Like I would get, we, you know, we get a lot of emails from areas and groups and uh, uh, even regional service members saying, how do we do this? How do we do that? You know, and, um, you know, most of the time I, I absolutely really try my best to like answer to the best of my ability. And sometimes I was just like, I just didn't get it. You know, I did, and uh, I don't I was never I don't I never did anything like I, I was never rude to anybody or anything like that. But you know how we have when we have bad days, we don't always do our best work. And so um, I, I think that um, when I hear people say, oh, you know, they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that, you know, I just can't get behind that because I, you know, I've been in too many different places, you know, to, 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 uh, to fall into that, you know. Yeah, um, we start that us versus them stuff, man. It's there's nothing to gain out of that. Yep. Um, I like what uh, were... I like what uh, what what Ron said when he was on here. He said, "Well, if you don't like what's going on, just get involved. You know, just get involved. Yeah, do something. <laughs> right. No. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's all us. It's all us. You it's know. That's us. what uh, some of my trusted some of the some of the um, trusted servants that I was involved with there, you know, they would, they would just say that, like, it's all us, like, let's be together and let's do this. Like, just, <laughs> if you want, you want to change something, get involved, please. You know, yeah. um, there was a, I don't know if you're very familiar with the service system project, but uh, that was uh, this project that went on uh, from around like 2008 to 2012, 2014. And the That's idea was, oh my God, the <laughs> you weren't here yet no. well basically it was them trying to force a whole bunch of stuff down our throats <laughs> uh which is not true of course but um yeah. but if that's kind of the way it was perceived you know and right. and in some places and uh 
and really it was, you know, people hoping to try to do something for, to make NA better. And, and other people saying like, look, no, we don't like that. And, uh, so it was, it was a challenging time. Uh, but you know, nothing's the end of the world. Uh, I, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, my experience of being a member of Narcotics Anonymous, and this is something uh, one of my one of my mentors at, at NA World Services gave me um, when we were talking about uh, how to answer these, these 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 fellowship correspondences, right? When they're writing in emails and asking questions, one of the things that uh, that this member said to me was, uh, you know, as long as the community has the steps and traditions. Even if they have nothing else, they got what they need to get by. Boom. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, man. Goosebumps still, you know? Yeah. Because uh, we got it. You know, we got it. We just have to work together. You know, we, we, we go back to those founding principles, the steps and traditions. Even if you don't look at any other NA literature at all, you look to the steps and traditions and you talk to another addict about it and you're going to find a solution. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. the solutions we hear them every time we walk into a meeting over and over. <laughs> yep. And yep. Yet there's times where that's the last place we want to look. <laughs> <laughs> totally right. Well, it's right in front of us. But 100%. Man, Chris, we can't thank you enough for coming on here and doing this. We sure appreciate it, brother. And um, yeah. You planning on going to the uh, to the World Convention next year? I think I will probably be going there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm saving up my pennies as we speak. I hear, oh, you you don't have any of those millions left that that you got? Paid no, on? no, <laughs> no. They won't let me. They won't let me fly on the Nas jet anymore. <laughs> oh man, that's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah. Well, hopefully we can uh, we can meet up there and be good to give you a hug in person, brother. Yeah, that would be great. Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on here. I, I look forward to I'm now I'm gonna I don't do podcasts much, but now I'm gonna have to uh, get get on your subscription feed and start listening in. Well thank you. Thank you. That'll be great. Um yeah, pass the word, man. Yeah, pass the word. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Help us make our millions. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> then um, you guys will be running the show. Yeah, then then we'll be running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Now in all reality, this thing, uh this whole setup cost us one more. <laughs> but that's not why oh <laughs> uh, yeah but thank you brother and we'll, we will be back next week with tradition nine thank you for joining us on our living clean podcast this is another platform that we can share our message of recovery which is an addict any addict can stop using drugs lose a desire to use and find a new way to live join that no matter what club you can contact us through text the number is 931 306 9364.